0: Dana Dunham has a brilliant mind and a knack for pissing people off. She's behind some of our generation's most celebrated work, but also cringe worthy blunders. So, how the hell did she get so famous? And what do we make of her now? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, hello. We are back for part two. On Lena Dunham. Now, I have to say from the start, I think my voice is sounding pretty good. I think you're doing well. We had to delay this recording quite a few days because I lost my voice. So if I very occasionally (laughs) go a bit
1: too high or a bit too low, I feel like I'm sounding all right. I was saying to you earlier, it's giving puberty where your voice starts breaking. Sometimes you just go a little silent. Yeah, 100%. It (laughs) it might
0: break, but I just wanted to say that from the outset. Be patient. I am really happy happy to be back here Mish because we covered so much in our last episode and there is so much more to cover and a disclaimer from the top in these two episodes we're not even able to cover everything that Lena Dunham has ever done
1: impossible for us to cover it all but boy are we covering a lot in episode one we spoke about how Lena comes from a pretty well-to-do artsy family she grew up in New York City she was known as a precocious child which will be of surprise to absolutely nobody
0: Yes, absolutely. She also went to a liberal arts college and studied creative writing. She made short films. And it was one of those films that went viral on YouTube and shot to critical acclaim. Now, following that, she made another film that premiered at South by Southwest where... You could kind of say she was absolutely discovered. She landed her HBO deal. She was suddenly talking to Judd Apatow. And at 25, she had written and starred in a show called Girls.
1: Yes, a show called Girls that was really critically acclaimed and adored by its target audience. It was around the time that Girls started airing on HBO that she met Jack Antonov. That was in 2012, Zara, when they got together. It was also that year that she signed a seven-figure book deal for a book called Not That Kind of Girl.
0: Yeah, 100%. Now, you, you might say that while that book was like widely read, you loved it, Mish. I did. It sort of marked the beginning of even more controversies for Lena Dunham. At this point in time, Lena Dunham was everywhere in a way that some people found amazing and other people found annoying. It was only going to get more complicated from here. Oh, man. Because I think it's fair to say Leonard Dunham was probably overexposed. Yes. And constantly saying the wrong thing. <laughs> Let's rewind back to 2014. <laughs>
1: All right, Zara, as you said before, our favorite Chime sound effect, it's 2014 and the third season of Girls was airing between January and March. The first episode of the season reached well over a million viewers. Look, I don't want to say a million viewers as if that's the biggest TV show on the planet. This was, dare I say, a niche TV show that was as popular as a niche show could get. Yeah, I agree with you. It sort of had... Oh, I feel like anything
0: I say right now is going to sound kind of dumb. I've just got dumb things running through my brain. (laughs) It felt kind of indie. Yeah. It felt independent, but it was a HBO show. Like, it wasn't indie at all. Mm. Now, despite the controversies, Not That Kind of Girl was a bestseller. Lena's relationship with Jack was also better than ever. They were living together in an apartment in Brooklyn Heights. Now... We also should note that Lena had also managed to make some seriously powerful friends too at this point in her life, including Taylor Swift. And it's, it's kind of funny. The way they became friends is very simple. Lena just DM'd Taylor on
1: Twitter with the message, can we be friends, please? (laughs) Now, of this, Taylor Swift once told The Guardian, becoming friends with Lena without her preaching to me, but just seeing why she believes what she believes, why she says what she says, why she stands for what she stands for, has made me realise that I've been taking a feminist stance without actually saying so. Oh, that's a real quote. That's a real point in time, that Taylor Swift quote. Lena was the one to make Taylor Swift a vocal feminist.
0: Exactly right. Now, at this point in time, I'm sure our listeners will remember, Taylor was notoriously quiet on anything that could be conceived as even vaguely political. It was a pretty big deal for her to come out and say that she was a feminist and to credit Lena for that. I mean it was it's just as I said so deeply 2014. (laughs) And I think it also says a lot about what Lena's public image was at the
1: time, which was like the feminism woman. <laughs> she was the feminist. Yeah. The feminist. Now, Lena was so close with Taylor Swift, she guest starred in the Bad Blood music video and made an appearance on stage with Taylor and other members of the quote unquote Girl, Girl squad, <laughs> squad during the 1989 World tour in turn lena was enveloped into the wider taylor swift squad which included her interviewing an 18 year old lord for dazed magazine now in this interview both lord and lena sung taylor swift's praises we'll tell you a little bit more about lord and lena dunham and jack antonoff though later on in this episode yeah it's it's i can't wait the timeline's not ready for it now by
0: 2015 lena and her co-showrunner from girls jenny connor launched a feminist email newsletter called lenny letter i mean lenny of course the merging of
1: jenny and lena oh yeah i only just realized that jenny and lena now according to fast company it was during lena's book tour for not that kind of girl that she actually came up with the idea for this newsletter As Fast Company's report read, her millennial fans, earnest-minded, eager, spilling over with their own stories and blissfully free of the toxicity that pollutes the average comment section of websites, convinced Lena Dunham of the need for a different kind of gathering place online. Six months later, Dunham and Connor launched Lenny, the weekly online newsletter and website whose far-reaching goals include getting the first woman president elected and hawking the cutest nail art stickers.
0: Yeah, now notably, Lena and Jenny actually got in touch with Gwyneth Paltrow for some advice on running a successful newsletter given where Gwyneth was at with Goop at the time. Jenny said, we went to Gwyneth for little details on everything along the way. Gwyneth ran Goop herself for so long without investment partners. She is a fierce businesswoman who knows technically how to do this.
1: Yeah I mean we know how much of a shrewd businesswoman Gwyneth Peltrow is because we did that three-part series on her life and her business ventures. This obviously meant that Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor had to look into advertising and monetizing this newsletter. And this same article in Fast Company says that they really planned to launch an e-commerce wing for Lenny Letter. It was supposed to kind of have this collection of products that were attached to the newsletter that they would then be able to make money from. It sounds like they wanted to do, to do goop but the feminism version completely and it's really
0: interesting to hear about now what their vision for Lenny Letter was mm. when we consider what how it, it ended became. up yeah, yeah. Now, at this point, we need to fast forward slightly to 2016 when Lena was 30 years old. Lenny Letter was killing it. Subscriber numbers were hitting 400,000 with a reported open rate of 65%. Huge. It's really, really high. Really strong. Anyone who works in digital marketing will be able to tell you that. And amongst the many writers featured on the site, Lena herself would often write pieces and conduct interviews as well. Which brings us to the Amy Schumer edition of Lenny Letter.
1: Yes. On September 2016, Lenny ran an interview between Lena and, of course, comedian Amy Schumer, who at the time was promoting her memoir, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. It was in this interview that Lena recalled her experience at the 2016 Met Gala. Now at that Met Gala she wore a tuxedo instead of a gown and she was sat next to Odell Beckham Jr, an NFL player who was at this point in the timeline 24 years old.
0: So in this piece, Lena said, I was sitting next to Odell Beckham Jr and it was so amazing because it was like he looked at me and he determined I was not the shape of a woman by his standards. He was like, that's a marshmallow, that's a child. That's a dog. It wasn't mean. He just seemed confused. Mm. Lena went on. The vibe was very much like, do I want to fuck it? It's wearing a, yep, it's wearing a tuxedo. I'm going to go back to my cell phone. It was like we were forced to be together and he literally was scrolling Instagram rather than having to look at a woman in a bow tie. I was like, this should be called the Metropolitan Museum of Getting Rejected by Athletes.
1: Wow. A lot of projection. I say. Quite a lot. Lena obviously had a lot of thoughts about Odell Beckham Jr. and how he interacted with her at the Met Gala, which is to say that she felt he didn't interact with her at all. Now, the media is always picked up on this Zara, and they ran with it. Yeah, absolutely, they noticed it straight away. The Huffington Post ran a story with the headline,
0: The way Lena Dunham talks about black men is peak white entitlement. In the piece, the writer Ziba Blaze said, There is an enduring stereotype of black men in America as hypersexual, aggressive and predatory. These stereotypes are also what have fueled this country's long, dark history of white women falsely accusing black men of sexual assault and rape. Dunham's comments, whether intentionally or not, played into this wasn't the only piece mish forbes also ran a piece about the situation with the damning headline lena
1: dunham is a monster of our own creation wow one of the quotes from that piece read unfortunately from the moment she appeared on our screens the debate about just how overweight and unattractive lena dunham is has not ceased the truth is lena dunham is obsessed with her body because we are She's a deeply annoying, self-obsessed Frankenstein's monster of our own creation. Trapped in her celebrity bubble, she is subjected to either bloated praise or hateful criticism. By listening to the millions of angry voices, she's lost the self-awareness that made her brilliant in the first place. That is one of the most brutally written pieces, quotes, we have read about anyone in Scandal. So here's the thing, right? The first half of that criticism is
0: savage. The last two lines trapped in her own celebrity bubble, she is subjected to either bloated praise or hateful criticism and by listening to the millions of angry voices, she's lost the self-awareness that made her brilliant. That's, like, smart. That's smart. But also... You're giving her the hateful criticism that she's swallowing, so it's, like, very meta.
1: Self-obsessed Frankenstein's monster of our own creation. I think what
0: gets me about a piece like this is it's, like, people were so emotional about Lena Dunham.
1: Yes. I mean, like,
0: I should say, the quotes about Odell Beckham Jr. were absurd. They were just, they were so weird and so out of pocket. Completely. And also... Almost definitely rooted in this idea that he was like this black man that super was super sexual. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's no doubt about that. I think she was she's such a complicated character because people didn't know what to do with her and didn't know how to kind of adequately critique this in a way that's helpful. Some yeah. people did, some people didn't.
1: Yeah. In response to the backlash, Lena decided to clarify her comments in Lenny letter. She tweeted, Odell Beckham Jr. is talented, stylish, seems super awesome, and wasn't into chatting with me at a fancy party. My story about him was clearly about my own insecurities as an average bodied woman at a table of supermodels and athletes. Glad the outrage machine roars on though, right? At Amy Schumer. And here we have another instance of her
0: trying to acknowledge the backlash (sighs) and sort of semi-apologise and clarify and make the
1: problem worse. It's like she starts off okay and then veers off a cliff.
0: Yeah, so then she had to kind of turn to Instagram for a, a longer, much more thoughtful apology. Accompanying a photo of a neon sign that said, Sorry, flowers die. She wrote... I owe Odell Beckham Jr. an apology. Despite my moments of bravado, I struggle at industry events and in life with the sense that I don't rep a certain standard of beauty, and so when I show up to the Met Ball surrounded by models and swan-like actresses, it's hard not to feel like a sack of flaming garbage. This felt especially intense with a handsome athlete as my dinner companion and a bunch of women I was sure he'd rather be seated with. But I went ahead and projected these insecurities and made totally narcissistic assumptions about what he was thinking, then presented these assumptions as facts. Mm, she went on,
1: I feel terrible about it because after listening to lots of valid criticism, I see how unfair it is to ascribe misogynistic thoughts to someone I don't know at all. We've never met. I have no idea the kind of day he's having or what his truth is. But most importantly, I would never intentionally contribute to a long and often violent history of the oversexualization of black male bodies, as well as false accusations by white women towards black men. I'm so sorry, particularly to OBJ, who has every right to be on his cell phone. The fact is I don't know about his state of mind. I don't know about a lot of things. And I shouldn't have acted like I did. Much love and thanks, Lena. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> yes. I hate being the apology police. I really, really hate doing that. But I'll do it. It's yeah, but, still not right.
0: She's, She is always the centre of her own apologies.
1: That's it. It's like, yeah. I actually... This screams of another apology where she doesn't, she's saying what she thinks she needs to say, but is couching it in a lot of like irrelevant stuff about herself that's coming from her own ego. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. Now, bear in mind at this point, Odell has literally not responded to any of this. When he was asked directly about the situation at a fashion event a few days later, the New York Times reported what happened. Here's a quote from the piece. Asked if Miss Dunham's comments struck a nerve, he seemed confused. Honestly, man, I didn't. A publicist by his side attempted to intercept the question. He came here to talk about fashion or football, but the receiver at least made a grab for it. He said, it's life. There are so many things that go on. You catch some of them, you don't catch some of them, you just, I don't know, man, I don't have much to say about that. I have to learn more about the situation.
1: <laughs> Is that implying the end? I have to learn more about the situation to say... He actually didn't really know all the twists and turns about the story that he had been involved with because our scandal researcher Eilish made a really good point. She feels like this quote from Odell Beckham Jr. highlights how chronically online this whole scandal drama was that it may have, in fact, gone above his head. Well, I reckon he would have been briefed on the commentary
0: around him, any celebrity would be. But I think when it's to do with someone like Lena Dunham and there are constantly twists and turns, like... New tweets, new new posts. I think probably who's keeping up with that? Who can be fucked? I think the only thing that is relevant if you are in Odell Beckham Jr.'s team is what is being said about you. Yes. And what the public sentiment is about you. That's kind of the only thing that's relevant. So I think I'm not surprised where he's like, I have to learn more about it because there were probably so many more elements to it that no one needed to be across and it
1: was probably so confused it was probably like i just sat next to this woman i barely exchanged a word with her and now why do i keep ending up in headlines with her yeah now it wasn't long
0: before lena landed herself in yet another controversy but we're gonna get to that one (laughs) after the break
1: All right, Zara. So in December 2016, Lena released an episode of her podcast, Women of the Hour, where she discussed listeners' abortion stories. She spoke about visiting a Planned Parenthood in Texas, where she was asked to share her own abortion story. Only, she hadn't had an abortion herself before. Trying to make a point about the stigma attached to abortion, she gave quite the clunky quote. Let's play a snippet. I wanted to make it really clear to her that as much as I was
0: going out and fighting for other women's options, I myself had never had an abortion. And I realized then that even I was carrying within myself stigma around this issue. Even I, the woman who cares as much as anybody about a woman's right to choose, felt it was important that people know that I was unblemished in this department. So many people I love, my mother, my best friends, have had to have abortions for all kinds of reasons. I feel so proud of them for their bravery, for their self-knowledge, and it was a really important moment for me then to realize that I had internalized some of what society was throwing at us and I had to put it in the garbage. Now I can say that I still haven't had an abortion, but I wish I had. I just have no idea why she said this.
1: If she had said this at a press conference on the spot where words leave your mouth and they sound absurd and then you can't put them back in, that would be one thing. She said this on a podcast yeah, where right. you can so easily... You can grab those words back. You Trust can... us, we do it all the time. Oh my God, the number <laughs> of times I've said clunky shit or even stuff there. I'm like, do I actually believe that? Is oh. that actually what I'm trying to convey You here? can edit it. You can just take it out. You can rephrase. You can do whatever you want. The fact that this went out and she would have had a team around her, I imagine as well, putting this podcast out. I'm just so confused. I think
0: it's just the flippancy. She's so flippant. In the way that she speaks, that constantly got herself into this mess. And I, I think it's such a funny thing when I think about the flippancy with which she speaks, it reminds me a lot of when people say it's a real privilege to have a platform Mm. and it is a real privilege to have an audience. And when you do have both of those things, you actually owe the world being relatively thoughtful with your words. Mm. And that is not to say that everyone's going to get it right all the time. That's like a completely unfair thing to put on anyone. But there needs to be a level of thoughtfulness where it's like you're trying. Yeah. But it didn't feel like at this point in her career She was trying to be thoughtful with her words. I think the frustration
1: as well to what you just said, I completely agree. A lack of intent to learn. Like we are now in a hamster wheel of mistake, apology, mistake, apology, where truly the root cause is all the same. That Lena Dunham is saying truly out of pocket stuff and refusing to self-censor or edit. Like, we're not even asking her to stop herself in the moment. Just, like, sit with it, edit it out, and then, I don't know. There's no growth here. And I no. think that's where the frustration and annoyance is coming from. And the
0: backlash to this was swift and it was brutal. Like, Lena had what was fascinating here, two very opposing sides of the same debate, agreeing on one thing, which was saying I wish I had an abortion is not the right thing to... To say... This is the
1: one time pro-choices and pro-lifers have been on the same page. Yeah.
0: Once again, she had to make another apology. She posted an image of the word choice to Instagram. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's so stupid. To Instagram and captioned it. My latest podcast episode was meant to tell a multifaceted story about reproductive choice in America, to explain the many reasons women do or don't choose to have children, and what bodily autonomy really means. I am so proud of the medley of voices in this episode. I truly hope a distasteful joke on my part won't diminish the amazing work of all women who participated. My words were spoken from a sort of delusional girl persona I often inhabit. A girl who careens between wisdom and ignorance. That's what my TV show is too. And it didn't translate.
1: I'm going to let you keep going, but That's we need to circle back to that. <laughs> we will
0: circle back. That's my fault. I would never, ever intentionally trivialize the emotional and physical challenges of terminating a pregnancy. My only goal is to increase awareness and decrease stigma.
1: Okay. My words were spoken from a sort of delusional girl persona I often inhabit. I'm going to use that. The next time I say something truly unhinged, I'm going to be like, look, that was my delusional, delusional girl, girl persona. persona. It's really fascinating
0: that this got past a PR person, did it?
1: Did these apologies get better? I don't think they are. I think she's just – they can't be. They simply cannot be. She's shooting from the hip every time.
0: Persona. Look, the statement did keep going for what it's worth about how she was very committed to, you know, raising awareness, reducing stigma, all of those kinds of things. But I just can't get my head out of the fact that – She also found a way to mention her TV show.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I do this on TV, therefore you must simply understand that I've done it in real life. Yeah, like at least it's authentic to me. It's authentic to the show. It's on brand. This is so on brand for me. What are we talking about? I am going to read the rest of this statement because it went on, I take reproductive choice in America more seriously than I take literally anything else and therefore own full responsibility for any words I speak that don't convey this truth clearly. I know plenty of people will never like a thing that leaves my lips. May it culpas or no, but this apology is for the women who have placed their trust in me. You mean everything to me. My life is and always will be devoted to reproductive justice and freedom. You know how in some households you curse and have to put money in a jar? Well in mine, if you mess up your pro-choice messaging, you have to give a sizable donation to abortion funds in New York, Texas and Ohio. I look forward to fighting with you all for the next four years and beyond. Oh, God, just a lot there. So, I mean, we were
0: we mentioned in that statement, because Lena did her TV show Girls, it's probably time to check back in with Girls, because at this point, after six very successful seasons, the much-beloved and much-talked-about show wrapped up in April 2017. Its final season reached about 638,000 viewers in the US, on average, per episode, when asked why she wanted to end the show, she told The Hollywood Reporter, we wanted to make sure we kept the momentum alive and didn't allow it to soften over time. Also, it is just about this incredibly specific period in these women's lives. Just on a personal level, I was 23 when I wrote the pilot and I just felt as though if we were to continue on, it wouldn't be about what it was originally about. It would be the equivalent of moving them to California Only California is them getting married and having kids and stuff like that. It just feels like at this point, it makes sense for us
1: to wrap up their stories. Very enough girls legacy is massive even till this day as jonathan bernstein wrote for the guardian in her creative life lena dunham has accomplished a great deal in a comparatively short time her influence has freed up other performers from the constraints of what a female driven comedy is expected to look like she's taken misogynist criticism of her work and rendered it archaic she's an original empathetic voice that will only get stronger people still
0: Loved her. Her work. Now, it was just so happened that her public blunders would continue. Yeah, would continue and kind of just started overshadowing any work she was ever putting out into the world. Well, we're about to talk about I uh, dare I say the biggest, her one.
1: biggest blunder. The one that I think of immediately, immediately when I hear Lena Dunham's name.
0: Let's talk about it because people probably know at this point in the timeline we're in twenty seventeen, and twenty seventeen was an important year. In Hollywood, of course, their accusations against Harvey Weinstein really sparked a widespread Me Too movement.
1: Yeah, right in the midst of the Me Too movement on November 17, 2017, the rap broke the news that actress Aurora Perrineau had gone to police to accuse Girls writer and executive producer Murray Miller of raping her five years prior.
0: So who was Aurora Perrineau at this time? Well, she was 22 in 2017 and was fresh off the back of a role in Passengers alongside Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. At the time of the alleged rape, she was 17 years old. Now, as for Murray Miller, he worked on Girls from 2013 to its end in 2017. He'd also worked on King of the Hill and American Dad. He was 41 in 2017 and around 36 at the time of the alleged rape.
1: Yeah, so Murray Miller denied these allegations and his legal team immediately released the following statement. Mr. Miller categorically and vehemently denies Ms. Perrano's outrageous claims. After being contacted several weeks ago by lawyers who, on Ms. Perino's behalf, sought substantial monetary damages from him, Mr. Miller's legal team gathered overwhelming evidence directly contradicting these false and offensive claims. Only after her demands for money were rebuffed did Miss Perrineau go to the police. Mr Miller looks forward to sharing all evidence and information with any and all authorities seeking the truth in this matter.
0: Now, Murray's legal team made another short statement a few days after the first one to clarify that Aurora had not actually asked for money ever It read, neither Miss Perrineau or her lawyers have ever made a demand for money. Our previous statement above was incorrect and the result of a good faith misunderstanding.
1: Get fucked. Like that is? To even
0: call it a good faith misunderstanding is outrageous outrageous
1: to me. How can you release a statement that essentially says these claims are outrageous and by the way, she's just in this for money. Like, sorry, that's the too long didn't read summation of their statement. And then a couple days later, come out and be like, oh, oops, how bad. That was incorrect. But good, good faith. Good, good faith. faith. Incorrect. Oh, my yeah. God. Now, Aurora Perrineau did not make a comment to the media about this situation. Someone who did make a statement about the situation, however, was Lena and her fellow girls co-show runner, Jenny Connor. They, Zara, had something to say just a day after the allegations were reported in the media.
0: Yeah, they gave a joint statement to The Hollywood Reporter that read, During the windfall of deeply unnecessary accusations over the last few months in Hollywood, we've been thrilled to see so many women's voices heard and dark experiences in this industry justified. It is a hugely important time of change and, like every feminist in Hollywood and beyond, we celebrate. But during every time of change, there are also instances of culture in its enthusiasm and zeal taking down the wrong targets. We believe, having worked closely with him for more than half a decade, that this is the case with Murray Miller. While our first instinct is to listen to every woman's story, our insider knowledge of Murray's situation makes us confident that, sadly, this accusation is one of the 3% of assault cases that are misreported every year. It is a true shame to add to that number, as outside of Hollywood, women still struggle to be believed. We stand by Murray, and this is all we'll be saying about the issue.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. It wasn't, though, because Lena also added on Twitter... I believe in a lot of things, but the first tenet of my politics is to hold up the people who have held me up, who have filled my world with love. What? Um, Very, very quickly, I think that statement and what Lena has done here speaks for itself. One thing I will say is that just because you've had good dealings with a man does not mean that every woman has had good dealings with that man. I also think it's actually... Or the worst tenant of your politics to hold up the people that have held you up.
0: Like a good tenant of your politics is to love people, of course, and acknowledge who have held you up. But the minute other people come to you and say, my experience with X person is different, to acknowledge the power that you have. What
1: kind of feminist can you be if this is how you behave? in the Me Too movement when someone that you happen to like is accused of sexual misconduct. Genuinely. in fact. Accused of rape. Yeah, as you can imagine, this went down extremely
0: badly. People were quick to point out the hypocrisy of this statement, particularly because Lena had recently written an op-ed about the Me Too movement for The New York Times. Now this op-ed, which was published just weeks before her statement on Murray Miller, read Beyond these bold name cases, ignoring bad behaviour remains the signature move of men in Hollywood. I hear stories from victims themselves at a rate that feels positively dystopian. Last year I was sexually harassed by a director of a show, not my own and not on a set, and the response by the powers that be was to defend him, question the women ferociously and take ages before letting him go from the network. It was a move based less on his skill than on some ancient loyalty one word and it's
1: hypocrite yeah. so there was an onslaught of think pieces tearing lena and jenny apart for their support of an alleged rapist constance grady wrote for vox as a vocal feminist and someone who has made allegations of sexual assault herself lena dunham knows the importance of believing women as a celebrity who has made feminism part of her brand she has profited from taking the stance that one should believe women So Lena Dunham's defense of Miller looked like the worst kind of hypocrisy.
0: Yeah, now Zinzi Clemens, who is an author and was a regular writer for Lenny Letter at the time, tweeted a lengthy statement announcing she was severing all ties with Lena. The statement read in part, it is time for women of colour, black women in particular, to divest from Lena Dunham. As a result of Lena Dunham's statements, I've decided I will no longer write for Lenny Letter. For all your writers who are outraged about what she did, I encourage you to do the same, especially women of colour. She cannot have our words if she cannot respect us.
1: Yeah, many Twitter users also pointed to one of Lena's recent tweets, which read, things women do lie about what they ate for lunch, things women don't lie about, rape. After just two days of fierce
0: backlash... Lena tweeted a notes up apology on November 19, 2017. It read, As feminists, we live and die by our politics, and believing women is the first choice we make every single day when we wake up. Therefore, I never thought I would issue a statement publicly supporting someone accused of sexual assault, but I naively believed it was important for me to share my perspective on my friend's situation as it had transpired behind the scenes over the last few months. I now understand
1: that it was absolutely the wrong time to come forward with such a statement. I am so sorry. She went on, We regret this decision with every fibre of our being. Every woman who comes forward deserves to be heard, fully and completely, and our relationship to the accused should not be part of the calculation anyone makes when examining her case. Every person and every feminist should be required to hear her. Under patriarchy, I believe you is essential. Until we are all believed, none of us will be believed. We apologise to any women who have been disappointed quite the backflip in such a short amount of time. Lena would actually revisit this situation 12 months down the line. But before we get there, we have to cover one of her more confessional and honest essays that she's written across her career
0: yeah so on feb 14 2018 so probably you know three to four months after this big controversy lena published an essay for vogue which was titled in her own words lena dunham on her decision to have a hysterectomy at 31 now this was a pretty personal and vulnerable essay she described her decade-long struggle with endometriosis She talked about her efforts to manage the condition without surgery and her eventual decision to have her uterus removed, Mish.
1: Yeah, she also said in this piece that she did want to have children. She saw herself becoming a mother, but eventually her condition forced her to wrangle with a different reality for her life. Directly after her hysterectomy surgery, she explained, "'I wake up surrounded by family and doctors eager to tell me I was right.' My uterus is worse than anyone could have imagined. It's the Chinatown Chanel purse of nightmares, full of both subtle and glaring flaws. In addition to endometrial disease, an odd hump-like protrusion, and a septum running down the middle, I have had retrograde bleeding, aka my period running in reverse so that my stomach is full of blood. My ovary has settled in on the muscles around the sacral nerves in my back that allow us to walk. Let's please not even talk about my uterine lining. The only beautiful detail is that the organ, which is meant to be shaped like a light bulb, was shaped like a heart. I know we're really pulling up Lena for a bunch of stuff right now, but using Chinatown Chanel purse as I know as an example of why your uterus doesn't look good or it's heart is defective. Again. It's just it's racist. Yeah. It's casually racist when you're But it's like like your points here are important.
0: Talking about a hysterectomy are important. Why distract it with your 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 racism is infused in it like it's 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 frustrating it is really frustrating because i i I consistently feel with lena maybe apart from the 2017 me too stuff that her message and her politics are are usually pretty good pretty aligned with my own Mm -hmm. and yet at every juncture she does something like this which kind of like exposes the fact that maybe they aren't
1: yeah, that similar? It's super disorienting because I actually don't know how to make sense of who she is when she throws things like that in repeatedly over the years.
0: I agree with you. Now, in this essay, Lena also revealed that her relationship with Jack Antonoff was struggling. She said, My beautiful partner, who has seen me through so much pain with compassion and care, has to be away for work, and I can feel us grow slowly apart. Since life is so determined to display its full complexity right now, I am surly and distant. I offer nothing. He reminds me again and again that I am still a woman and still alive but i also know that soon for so many reasons that have nothing to do with my uterus will slip away from each other and i will face everything i am losing in impossibly tiny steps
1: yeah as you guys might have suspected hearings are a read that out jack and lena had split and this was actually her formal confirmation about a month before this vogue essay came out There were whispers, there were tabloid reports that they had gone their separate ways. But this was Lena being incredibly candid and vulnerable and saying, yes, here's the situation.
0: Yeah, and it was at a tough time. So I think it's interesting here to probably look at the timeline here, right? Like Lena had this major surgery to remove her uterus in the fall of 2017. So somewhere between September and November. Her relationship with Jack seemed to have ended in December sometime that year. November was when she was in the midst of that massive Me Too scandal. So all of this happened at once.
1: Horrific timing of everything. It was around this time that some rumblings started online about the nature of Jack Antonoff and Singer Lord's relationship. We told you we were going to circle back to Lena Dunham and Lord. Now is that time, Zara McDonald.
0: Yeah, so let's unpack here. Basically, while Lena and Jack were still a couple and living together, Jack was actually working with Lord to produce her album Melodrama, one of the great albums of all time. Yes. Now, this is a very famously emotional album. It's all about young love and heartbreak. Keen fans of both Jack and Lord came up with the theory that during the melodrama sessions, they had an affair behind Lena's back. Now, this was just a theory. But the reason we're talking about
1: it is it is it—it was like this theory that started on Reddit that became like this movement. Yeah, it's a theory that really exploded and then has stuck around in the years since. We're going to run you through it. But again, from the top in capital letters, this is all an internet theory. It originated from Twitter user at buzzkillery. She is the author behind the now-internet-famous PowerPoint presentation that pretty convincingly laid out the evidence behind a supposed Lord Jack Antonoff affair. This PowerPoint was published in 2018 and had the title, Lord and Jack Antonoff, an emotionally broken journey, or Lord and Jack Antonoff 100% were slash are being shady, are deaf-boning if nothing else, this is bullshit and the people deserve the truth. Yep, that is the title in full. Now, the executive summary of this viral PowerPoint posits that Lord
0: temporarily moved into Jack and Lena's apartment sometime between July 2015 and January 2017 while they worked on melodrama together. And that, according to Buzz Killery, Lord suggesting that the album is about anything other than the stone-cold heartbreak of a man whose inner relationship is a lie. <laughs> of further interest to Buzz Killery is the fact that during this time, 2016, it overlapped with Lena's intensive work on the Hillary Clinton campaign, so she was away for big chunks of time.
1: Yes. Other pieces of evidence included quotes that Lord had actually given to journalists over like a year to 18 months. And those quotes tended to indicate quite an intense dynamic between her and Jack Antonoff. For instance, in April 2017, Lord had disinvited a New York Times journalist from paying her a visit at her music studio. She explained that things were hectic for her and there had been some tears. The article read, The next day things had righted themselves and Lord invited me over. The studio sat ten stories above a block crammed with art galleries. I asked her what had happened. It got grim, she said. Jack and I know each other so well by this point, we can communicate almost telepathically. But some days, one of us will say something, and the others like, "What do you mean by that?" What a funny quote to give! And what an interesting thing to admit that she had disinvited the journalist the day before because of a fight with Jack Antonoff.
0: Yeah, you
1: don't have to tell people that.
0: No, you really don't. No, like no, you truly don't. People weren't expecting that to be the answer. Now, perhaps the most compelling bit of evidence, and I have that in inverted commas in this slideshow, is the timeline, which includes the detail that following Lena and Jack's breakup in December 2017. Lord and Jack were papped cuddling into each other in her hometown in New Zealand. For the record, this was at the time a pretty big thing. Mm. Here's what the Daily Mail published in February, so about two or three months after the breakup. Picture exclusive – Lord cuddles up with Lena Dunham's ex, Jack Antonoff, in her New Zealand hometown
1: amid romance rumours. Let's get these photos up as we talk about them because we all, and when I say we all, I mean myself, yourself, and Eilish, our scandal researcher, had some different interpretations of what's going on here. Eilish is actually a musician and she says that these photos indicate to her just two people who work really closely together and have like a very stereotypical producer-artist relationship. I'm not a musician. I feel like I'm just a woman with eyes and I feel <laughs> like I feel like these are two people who are having sex.
0: I think that just on these photos, no, I don't think that they're having sex because I don't know, I can imagine being papped with male friends like this.
1: Really? Yeah. Like I, would, I don't 1000%. think
0: I 1,000%. Like some of my best male friends, I would be papped looking like this. Mm.
1: Photos can say... Like this? Cuddling? I'm showing yes. Zara a photo of... Okay, 1000%. so Lord's cuddling him from behind
0: and he's cuddling... Yeah. Okay. Mm. I would. And my friends have like hugged me like that. That said, it's not just these photos that were are going off. We're yeah, going off okay. a whole host
1: of other things. Like
0: them working together, Lena's comments later, which I'll get to in a second. Mm. Which makes me think... Maybe.
1: I think the reason the photos look know. sus to me is it's not like they're greeting each other hello, right? They're not hugging each other hello yeah. or goodbye. They're just happening to hug at different points on a walk together hanging out, which I feel like is way more amorous than I am with my male friends. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. And it's also like not a night out,
0: whereas like I would do it with my male friends on a night out, like walking yes. between bars or something like that. The other thing to consider here, because I'm like arguing against myself as well, <laughs> is like what's a pap doing in New Zealand? Yes. Like, Love you, New Zealand.
1: Love you, but New like, Zealand. But like Melbourne doesn't
0: have paps. If people no. are papped in Melbourne, be sus.
1: People have either set it up themselves or, or someone has set it up.
0: Has someone seen something and thought these two need to be papped and called a pap? That, for me as well, is like kind of an interesting fact here. Now, Jack defended himself pretty emphatically against these rumours. He tweeted at the time, normally I would never address rumours, but I resent having the most important friendships and working relationships in my life reduced to dumb heteronormative gossip. Sorry. (laughs) Those relationships are deeply important and
1: sacred. With that said, I'm not dating anyone, lol. Apologies to Jack Antonoff for diving into dumb gossip like we do. Now, it would be a little while longer before we'd find out what Lena Dunham thought about all of this as with much of her life though she did process this breakup pretty publicly she and jack would sometimes comment on each other's instagram posts in the months after their breakup she even went on an instagram live and said something quite interesting about her and jack
0: yeah she said i'm wearing this ring that jack gave me and i'll always wear it because love is a really cool powerful eternal thing and it doesn't have to be defined the way we in western culture define it as beginning and ends so, like, she was quite open with her, I guess, still loving him. Yeah. Just a couple of months later in May 2018, she actually wrote another essay for Vogue, this time deep diving the end of her relationship with Jack. I find this fascinating because Lena Dunham was a celebrity, but she is a writer at heart. Mm. So to write about her relationship would be incredibly natural for her. It's just that now she's a celebrity, so we get all this, like, insight into relationships we never normally get she
1: has a foot in either camp and it makes for like scintillating content but it makes for like kind of uncomfortable content at the same time it's very open and we're not used to that yeah one passage in that vogue essay read it was december when we broke up that kind of confusing weather where glaring sunlight makes the cold air feel even colder We sat in our shared kitchen of nearly four years and quietly faced each other, acknowledging what nobody wanted to say, that obsessive connection had turned to blind devotion, and the blinders were coming off to reveal that we had evolved separately, the least shocking reason of all and perhaps the most common, that anger wasn't sexy or sustainable, that our hearts were still broken from trying so hard to fix it, but no longer uncertain about whether or not we could. The finality nearly killed me and I remember muttering, "But what if we still went on dates?" He laughed sadly, "Whatever you want."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really sad to read about other people's breakups. Mm. Like
1: it is like living
0: through other people's conversations when you know how sad they are yourself. It's, it's- really tragic to read now I feel like one of the more memorable moments of Lena's public breakup era was in August 2018 when she actually tweeted a list of potential baby names that her and Jack put together in 2015 she tweeted hey Jack Antonoff I just found a potential baby name list we made in 2015 I could definitely keep this private but then the world wouldn't know that you suggested carrot over and over love you
1: I hate to say it, but I feel like Lena Dunham is a nightmare ex. Can you imagine if, like maybe Jack was trying to date other women, and his ex girlfriend is on Twitter, Twitter tweeting, I tweeting know. his list I of baby die. names? And it's also like you kept suggesting carrot over and over. Love you, like I would just find that so irritating from a former partner. Yeah. Now we need to move to October twenty eighteen because Zara Lenny Letter wasn't going too well at this time. Unfortunately for Lena, a lot of things in her life were taking a turn for the worse. The New York Post was the first to report that Lenny Letter was actually closing down. Their article read Rumblings of Lenny's closure began to trickle out earlier this week when freelance writers were notified by editors that they would receive kill fees or compensation for written works that haven't been published. The newsletter had always struggled for ad support, according to industry sources, and a series of controversies hasn't helped.
0: Yeah, though Lena declined to comment for the New York Post article, Lenny's closure was soon confirmed. In an email to subscribers, Lena and Jenny wrote, This is Lenny's final chapter. While there's no one record, reason for our closure this change allows for growth and a shift in perspectives ours and yours (laughs) what What does that mean i can guarantee you if we ever have to close the doors on shameless i am going to release something equally
1: spinny and vague oh my god i can't wait to work on a really just obtuse statement together you can wait we don't want to shut anything down (laughs) now the end of lenny letter came at quite the interesting time because lena and jenny had also ended their writing partnership with HBO just three months prior. Jenny herself described the end of this working relationship with Lena Dunham. She said, The split was sort of a slow burn. We just wanted to go in different directions. I think we're not sure what they are, but we want to find our independence.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated by that quote. I'm fascinated by the slow burn Ending the breakup, yeah. Dare
1: I say it started when they put out that trash statement amidst the Me Too movement. Completely
0: agree. Now, at the time of their closure, Lenny Letter had around three hundred and fifty thousand subscribers, which was around a hundred and fifty thousand fewer subscribers than they had in twenty seventeen, one year prior. Mm. Says a lot. Now, in November twenty eighteen, Lena actually sat down for an extensive profile with The Cut. It was exactly a year after that Me Too trash statement, as you call it, Mish. (laughs) And I think generally the time you see between big mistake and big Mayor Culper profile.
1: Yeah, about 12 months, exactly right. The writer Alison P. Davis did an incredible job with this piece. We're going to take you to the main highlights because I am conscious this episode is getting a little (laughs) long. (laughs) My voice doesn't have that long left in it. Now, Alison P. Davis asked lena dunham about her me too misstep with aurora perino she wrote this dunham starts to get teary and then points out how it must appear for her eyes to well up dunham a woman who loudly claimed allyship had chosen to publicly discount the story of a young black woman her digital strategist sent her a text with four familiar words you're trending on twitter some people reached out and were quietly like it's great that you defend him dunham says But mostly people in her life came to her in disbelief. Judd Apatow warned her, I don't think this is what you meant to do. That's not how, in this day and age especially, this isn't how we talk about women.
0: Yeah. Judd Apatow to be the one. To tell Mrs Feminist How Lena to talk Dunner. about women publicly Yeah this profile also noted that Lena reached out to Aurora to apologise personally and according to Aurora's mother this went better than expected Throughout the interview Lena got pretty candid about her relationship with Jack She said Our relationship probably lasted longer than it should have He's a very loyal person so he was not going to bail when the going got tough He literally held my hand while I got an enema on New Year's Eve while his family celebrated But when you're So much energy goes into making sure the other person is well, that you're not even noticing that maybe our schedules aren't compatible. Maybe we want different things out of our lives. Maybe we have different attitudes about what family means. Maybe these are central questions that people have to ask themselves all the time and not being asked because we just want to make sure that I don't pass out at the grocery store. Mm. She also commented on Jack's new rumored girlfriend at the time, the model Carlotta Cole. She said, I thought I was kind of proving that weird girls can have love too. And now he's dating somebody who looks regular and normal and like girls are supposed to look.
1: I just don't love that quote, but I'll move on. Mm. She even commented on the Lord and Jack Antonoff cheating theory. I can't believe she did this. She said, it was so embarrassing. It was awful because I felt like a weird. She cuts herself off. I don't think anything happened between them. I can never know someone else's life. I have never spoken to Lord about it. We haven't talked since Jack and I broke up. It was awful and I couldn't do anything about it except trust that what he was saying to me was true. Okay, so when I said earlier,
0: based on those photos alone, no, I don't think they were having an affair or kind of cheated. Mm -hmm. That is true. It is just weird to me that Lord and... Lena didn't speak after they broke up.
1: Yeah, it's super weird. The
0: whole, all these relationships capitulated, and again, we'll all never know.
1: We'll never know, but I, my
0: gut, my gut will tell I me. I know. One thing. And also, my the other part of my gut does know. Dumb heteronormative gossip, <laughs> as Jack and would say. Now, funnily enough, I find this fascinating. The only topic that Lena wasn't keen on addressing was the end of her working relationship with the writer Jenny Connor. Alison P. Davis wrote. The only times Dunham gets uncharacteristically tight-lipped are when I ask her questions about Connor. When she starts her answers, they are usually hedged with, all I will say is, or I don't want to speak for Jenny. It seems there was no explosive breaking point, but rather a slow dissolution. People who are close to both of them say they are no longer friends.
1: Fascinating. Something else that Lena touched on in this interview with The Cut was her struggle with a benzodiazepine addiction and her journey to sobriety, which actually includes a stint in rehab. She told the publication she spent 28 days in rehab to treat that addiction and it worked really well for her. She also consistently was updating her Instagram to share details and milestones about her sobriety journey, Zara. Yeah, she also spoke about this with Dax Shepard for his podcast Armchair
0: Expert at around the same time she gave this cut interview. She said, If I look back, there are a solid three years where I was, to put it lightly, misusing benzos, even though it was all quote unquote doctor prescribed. I didn't have any trouble getting a doctor to tell me, no, you have serious anxiety issues, you should be taking this. This is how you should be existing. It stopped being like, I
1: take one when I fly, and it started being like, I take one when I'm awake. During this same interview, she also attributed some of her previous public relations crises to her clonopin misuse. She said, all my senses weren't intact and maybe I wasn't being as sensitive or self-aware as I could have been. I mean, there were plenty of times I did things people didn't like where I was stone cold, anxiety-ridden, sober. But I think my judgment was generally impaired by my obsessive desire to escape my own pain.
0: Yeah, she also had even more to share because she was still sort of on this. I'm gonna call it an apology to her. She yes. did Dax Shepard, she did the cut. In December, she wrote a piece for The Hollywood Reporter titled My Apology to Aurora. So in, yes, very classically in a Dunham fashion, she penned an entire public essay to apologise to Aurora Perrineau.
1: Mm, one of the quotes from this piece read, This year has been incredible for women in Hollywood, but I know I'm not alone when I say that this year has also been hell. When someone I knew, someone I had loved as a brother, was accused, I did something inexcusable. I publicly spoke up in his defense. There are few acts I could ever regret more in this life. I didn't have the inside information I claimed, but rather blind faith in a story that kept slipping and changing and revealed itself to mean nothing at all. I wanted to feel my workplace and my world were safe, untouched by the outside world. A privilege in and of itself, the privilege of ignoring what hasn't hurt you. And I claimed that safety at cost to someone else, someone very special.
0: She went on to Aurora, you have been on my mind and in my heart every day this year. I love you. I will always love you. I will always work to right that wrong. In that way, you have made me a better woman and a better feminist. You shouldn't have been given that job in addition to your other burdens. But here we are. And here I am asking, how do we move forward? Not just you and I, but all of us living in the gray space between admission and vindication. Did she need to say,
1: I, I love you. I will always <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry, it's so
0: dark. I, just, I, I,
1: love you. I will always love you. I, it's a I lot. Just, it's quite she intense. She is a lot. There's a there's a real
0: intensity to this. Of which I don't know what to do with. Yeah, let's just move right along then. Yeah, which brings us almost to the end of our series on Lena Dunham. Before we get there though, Mish, we need to talk about her love life once more.
1: Yeah, in Jan 2021, she was set up by friends on a blind date with a British Peruvian musician called Louis Felber. Lena and Louis moved in together in the UK within just a few short months. He proposed to Lena after less than a year of dating – And by all accounts, things seem to be going really well. A month after getting engaged in September 2021, they officially tied the knot at the Union Club, which is a members only club in London. Apparently, they said, I do in front of their closest family and friends. It included Taylor Swift, but the guest list was only 60 people long.
0: Yeah, it was super COVID restricted. And apparently Taylor was a bridesmaid. So yeah. I read, but uh, I, I didn't realise that they were still this close at this point in time. I remember reading the headlines that Taylor had sort of snuck into the wedding mm. and was there and was very surprised, but they clearly kept their relationship really tight. In July this year, after the success of Barbie, it was announced that she was attached to Mattel's Polly Pocket Film, mm. As director with
1: Lily Collins' star. Pretty huge. Which was pretty big news. Yeah. In a recent interview with The Guardian promoting her recent work, a now 35 year old Lena Dunham was told that the US game show Jeopardy had recently aired the question, Who is Lena Dunham? And Zara, her response was fascinating. Yeah. This is what the writer wrote
0: Lena leans her head to the side. I'd love to know the answer. There is a rare, deep pause. She said, Something about public life is that you're forced to define yourself and then try to remain in that definition forever. But what she's learned, she says, is how exciting it is to mess with that definition or expand it or change, to shrug off attempts at lackability, perfection, speed. One thing my 20s did, she vapes, is made me quite bored of the sound of my own name. Now I find I'm way more interested in saying, Enough about me. Who are you? I love that quote. I'm obsessed with that quote for so many reasons and what a perfect way to finish. Guys, as we said, we actually haven't touched on every Lena Dunham scandal ever because we simply didn't have time or space. I simply
1: don't have it in me. I really, I've loved this series, but I'm not surprised that people found Lena Dunham exhausting. Because I have found it exhausting putting all, like, seeing all of this back to back to back. I am glad, though, it does really feel like over the last few years she has grown and evolved because we haven't seen her name. Has she grown and evolved or has she just been quiet? Or have we just tired of her as well? Maybe she is still saying slightly problematic stuff and everyone's just sick of looking at it now. I don't know. I
0: don't know either. I can't work out if she's just not on my radar because she's actually just not. In the public eye as much
1: mm. and if
0: that's the result of so many of these missteps i wonder what
1: taylor swift would say about all this yeah i would be really interested to know what the famous why don't people why call wife... taylor up i'm just gonna call <laughs> taylor up yeah no i
0: i'm just like my head's actually about to explode right now i have nothing <laughs> left to say beyond she is one of the most i think she's the most confounding celebrity we've ever covered on this show
1: Yeah, a walking contradiction, but also someone who I feel real affinity for in some ways and then real frustration with at other moments.
0: Completely. A massive thank you to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan, and our audio producer, Annabelle Lee. We uh, appreciate you guys. And that is all for today. We will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
2: Hi guys, Shameless Media's video producer Charlotte here. I'm abruptly popping up at the end of this episode to tell you about a new series I've been working on called The Tastemakers. It lives on the Shameless Book Club feed, and the series explores the inspiration and motivation of Australia's most trusted tastemakers. Hosted by the wonderful Gemma Diamond and spanning across six episodes, we'll hear about everything from beauty to lifestyle and food. One of my favourite episodes to film was with Maggie Zhao. She's such a bookworm and she offered up some really interesting, in-depth insights that I really loved. It's so good to see Gemma and Maggie sit down and talk about books and they just had such a fantastic chemistry on the day that when we were shooting, I just knew that this was a good episode. Oh my
1: God. So do you know how we talk about social media and
2: it's like, yeah, like an overnight success, like this person, you know, overnight literally gained a million followers, right? So think of that. And now think of the opposite of that (laughs) (laughs) and that is me. Tastemakers is made for anybody who is looking for a slice of inspiration from influential women who are ready to offer up their expertise. Search for The Shameless Book Club in your favourite podcast app now. Have a listen and make sure to click follow so you don't miss your next favourite episode.